thankful for the song service and the prayer that was offered on our behalf. And it's my hope and prayer that the Lord will continue to bless us and that we might understand his word and that our worship service might glorify his holy and righteous name. This morning, uh, <clears throat> the thoughts that are on my mind are about learning, education, something we're all familiar with. Have you ever wondered, and maybe you read the Bible every day, many years of my life I didn't read the Bible, I'll be honest with you. Most days I read something from the Bible, some days not as much as I should. But have you ever asked yourself why it's so hard to read the Bible? Some people would argue they don't have enough time. They're too busy working, they're too busy taking care of children, but most of the time we do what we want to do. That's just a fact. Anybody can tell me otherwise, but... If we want to do it bad enough, we make the time to do it. We find the time to do it. Why is the word of God not as important to us as it should be? Do you realize there's no amount of gold or silver in this world? I don't care how many buildings full of it you have. I don't care how high you can stack it. There's no value to that gold or silver compared to the value of God's word. There's just not. And yet, it seems to be hard to read. And I don't necessarily mean hard to read from the, flat, uh, uh, from the standpoint that we don't understand it. There are things that are harder to understand than other things. But the question is, why, why do we not learn from it like we should? You hear the old saying that if we fail to learn from history, we're doomed to repeat it. I'm here to tell you that as you study God's word and you look at the time and day in which you're living, we're repeating something that has happened in the past. Did we not learn anything? You'd be surprised how many people in the world have no clue to what's written in the word of God. No clue that the things that you and I are seeing happen today have happened before. Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. He said the eye is not satisfied with seeing or the ear with, the ear with hearing. Those things are so true in the society we live. We're not very content. We're not very satisfied. But how much have we learned? Why is it so hard? You know, when you think about secular education, and we got several people here in the education field, we spend millions of dollars. We send our kids to every type of school there is on the face of the earth to educate them, to have them learn. Can you imagine what it would be like if we didn't teach our children anything, if they didn't go to school, they'd be set up and doomed to fail from the start, would they not? Education's important. Learning is important. And you know, we see that value in many ways, but when it comes to the most valuable learning that we have on the earth, in the book that called the Bible, the 66 chapters, I don't see that intense push to learn the word of God in the way we teach, want our children to learn everything else there is out there in the world. You know, there's much that the word of God has to say about education in a secular standpoint. First of all, that obligation was given to parents. It was. It wasn't given to school systems and those things. They didn't exist. They hadn't been around that long. The obligation was given unto the parents and to the grandparents. You know, you don't stop training children and grandchildren when you become a grandparent. I think about uh, Suzanne and Ainsley in the years they said, this is just a little nugget. She'd always tell me when we got home how 
when I spoke upon something, she was asking her Grammy about it, and, and she was trying to tell her what was being preached about. That's, that's, that's a big deal. Most of you might consider it to be a very insignificant deal, but it's a major deal. Because training up our children in the way that they should go is the most important obligation that God ever gave any of us. Children are grandchildren. But have we learned? I know as a youngster I didn't read much. I only read in school what I had to to get, th get, get through it, get beyond it. But people get older and they read a lot of things. Why don't they read the Bible? Why don't they read God's Word? Maybe you do. Maybe I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. Maybe it's, it doesn't interest us. Could that be a possibility? We're just not interested in God at this present time in our lives? We ought to be. We're very interested when we see our nation crumbling down and it's no longer considered to be a God-fearing nation that it once was. We're very concerned about that, but maybe we have no reason to read God's Word and have any type of understanding of how we got here. We notice a verse in the 15th chapter of the book of Romans. It says, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. Everything in God's word was really written for our learning. When Paul wrote that, all the New Testament had not been written. And he was referring to the Old Testament. But I'll tell you, in 2022, whatsoever things were written before time includes the entire Bible when it comes to you and I. There's not anything left out. What have we learned? Why is it not important? We're told to bring up our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Provoke not your children to anger. That's given. That's a command by God given to every father that's ever lived upon this earth. He commanded them to do so. I didn't do a very good job. I'm not here to condemn anyone. I'm just here to lay out the truth as I see it, and I believe the Word of God tells it. Why are we not interested in the Word of God. Why do we not learn more from the Word of God? Well, let's think about some things for a minute. God's Word was given to us that we might know the truth. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Apart from the God's Word, there is no truth. If somebody tells you this is true and it didn't harmonize with what God said, it's not true. If it does, it's likely true. There's not new truths. God's truth will stand forever. He said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. The words of God are true, they're pure. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in the furnace of earth, seven times, they're complete. We're told two, two or three times in the Bible we're not to add to God's word and we're not to take away from God's word. It thoroughly and truly furnishes every child of God in all areas of life. Did you know that? All scripture was given by the inspiration of God. When you sit down and you honestly read God's word with the clutter of this world out of your mind, I believe God is speaking to you. Just like he would have been if he was sitting across the table. This is not the writing of men. This is the writings of God. The God who spoke creation into existence. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It wasn't a process. It took time. He commanded it, and it stood fast. He spoke it, 
and it come into being. This God who created you and I basically from the dust of the earth, that ought to interest us just to study that out. The Bible's not the easiest thing to read. You know, we're told to study that unto thyself. Study, you know, to show thyself unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's for all of us, not just for ministers. First of all, studying is to seek the approval of God, not the approval of someone in the church or someone in your family, someone down the road. It, it's God. Furthermore, it's work. It's not easy. But anything that we place in our lives to be valuable enough, we'll put forth the effort, whatever it takes, to get wherever we're going and to do whatever we want. God's word should interest us as parents and grandparents to such a degree that it would be the priority of life in our children's lives as they grow up. We don't let them not go to school. We don't let them become ignorant in the world. We train them in that respect. But oftentimes we leave off the word of God and we wonder why we are where we are. For whatsoever things were written aforetime, written before time, before Paul wrote this, for us now it's the entire Bible. It was written before our time. Not any of us were living when any of the word of God was written. It was inspired. And God said it was profitable. God said there's much to be gained from it. It's beneficial. Matter of fact, it's the most beneficial book that you'll ever own if you'll read it, study it, and use it for your own benefit and for God's glory. Like I said, I failed at it. I'm not here to condemn anyone or anyone, body. But you know, the truth is the truth. We didn't get from point A to point B by accident. This is not a coincidence that God was, uh, you know, surprised at it. He woke up one day and he didn't wake up, he never sleeps. But he took a look at us, and all of a sudden something happened that he didn't anticipate happening. No, God knows the end from the beginning. He knows. And from ancient times, the things that have not yet been done, he said, my counsel will stand. And we're thankful for the sovereignty of God. But his word is so important. It's a, it's a, it's a life and a game changer in societies, among young people. There's just nothing more important. Matter of fact, when you look at the curriculum they're pushing out today and education makes you wonder why more people are not pulling their children out of school. And I'm not here to condemn it. My wife has spent her entire life making a living in that, uh, doing it. But the point is, that some of the things they're teaching are not, un not godly. They're just not. You know, the critical race theory, the gender identity, you, you choose. I was reading a deal yesterday where they... A university was trying to teach three-year-olds how to choose what they wanted to be. God made them male and female. That's the end of that story. God created us either male or female. That's the truth. But you'd be surprised how many people don't even know that. Even people that go to the house of the Lord week in and week out. They fail to truly read God's word because they're too busy. they got other things of greater interest. But the Bible tells us that the Bible is the most uh, needful thing. And, and it, to you it ought to be the most important thing. It's more valuable than anything that we have. It really is. Where would we be without the Bible? You know, you think about in times past. 
I've told people when I preached, if you read God's word, if you seriously read God's word enough to know what's in it, and I know very little of what's in it if you consider the Bible as a whole. Not many men do. You ought not to be surprised that we are where we are. You know, notice over in 2 Peter chapter 3, we're going to begin reading in verse 15. Here's a reason to learn. An account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Thank God for that. The long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. One day we're going to be delivered from this place, and the hindrances that we have now in this life, we'll have no more. It says, Even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, Speaking in them of these things in which some things are hard to understand. I'm not going to argue about that with anyone that reads the Bible. Things are hard to understand. Some things. Some things are very simple. Sometimes the most simple things of the Bible are hardest for some folks to understand. But not everything is easy to understand. And that's the reason we're to read and study and read and study. And it's to go on throughout the entirety of our life. Which they that are unlearned, get this down, they that are unlearned, that haven't learned, and unstable, rest. That means they wrestle with it. They wrestle with the word of God. I can tell you right now, I've got relatives, and I'll mention no names, that know so little about the word of God that they've made their mind up how God ought to be. And other people do this too. If God was God, he wouldn't allow this to happen. Have you ever heard such a statement from folks? If God was God, he wouldn't let this happen. Why do good things or bad things happen to good people? Well, maybe they hadn't read the Bible. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Think about it for a moment. We're not nearly as good as we think we are. Matter of fact, if you have any reading of God's word, you'll understand that we're all as an unclean thing and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. In your best state, apart from the grace of God, God says you're as filthy rags. God is pure and he's holy and he's right. You know, there are things that we don't understand. The verse that gets me through that is, God said, my thoughts are not your thoughts and neither are your ways my ways. As the heaven is higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. That does it for me. God's immortal. He's infinite. You and I are mortal and, and finite. We, we're, we're just here. We're just timely beings. God lives outside of time. Sin doesn't affect God like it affects us. So there are things that I don't understand. I'll never understand how God always was. Never had a beginning. But God said he always was and I believe it. The Bible says that. If you've read it, if you study it, enough you ought to know some of those things. Some of those things ought to be Known in our hearts. Back in the first chapter of this uh, of Second Peter, the Apostle Peter said, "I will not be negligent in putting them, putting you always in remembrance of these things, even though you know them and are established in the present truth." He says, "You're established in the present truth, and you know these things." 
We're going to deal with this with what Paul said here in just a moment. He says, you know these things. So apparently they've heard the word of God preached and they've read the word of God to some extent. But he says, I need to keep preaching the same truths over and over. Tells me that if we don't use it, we lose it. If you know what I mean. We have a tendency to forget things because we don't read. We get busy. We get caught up in life. The problem is we don't place the value of God's word at the top of the list. There's other things in life that are more important. And it's very easy to get distracted as I preach to out of Deuteronomy chapter 8. Distractions are everywhere. And they're as great in the times and that we're living as they ever have been. We're distracted. We're tired. We just don't want to read. We might read the newspaper. We might listen to something. But I tell you, not reading God's Word and being familiar with it is a big deal for all of God's children. It's a big deal in where we are today. You know, the prayer in Second Chronicles, have you ever wondered? The Bible does say man will wax worse and worse, and we're seeing that. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, seek my face and, or pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. Well, at this present moment, I don't know that things are getting better. He said if he, when he does hear from heaven, when we've turned or repented, he says, I'll forgive your sin and heal your land. That's what the Bible says. That's not what I said. That's what God said. Those are God's words. Do we see the land being healed? I can't tell you that the turn hadn't started. But we're not very far into the turn if it has. The Lord knoweth. You know, things are going on today that are, are completely and totally against the truth of God's word. How did we get here? It didn't happen overnight. This has been... Subtle and slow and, and coming. He says, some things are hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest. They wrestle with them. And they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. A lot of people will tell you that they believe what they heard. Heard some preacher. That's easy. That, that's how we are. We don't want to read it and we don't want to back it up. We don't want to confirm it sometimes. So we just take to heart what was said. But many that don't even hear the word of God preached will decide how God ought to be in their eyes. They bring God down to man's level. And that's why they say, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, we're not nearly as good as they think we are. And God doesn't owe us anything. You know... Jacob said, I'm not worthy of the least of thy mercies. None of us are worthy of the least of the mercies of Almighty God. If we understand that, that should change our perspective of life. We're not worthy of anything. We certainly don't want what we deserve. I hope we don't. You know, a lot of people believe they deserve something. Like Brother George said, he said, I'll take mercy every time. I don't want what I deserve. I'm the same way. You don't want what you deserve either. If you understand what you deserve, we sang that song first this morning, poor, weak, and worthless, though I am. Yet, he says, I have an almighty friend. That friend is Jesus Christ. Read the Bible. Understand what it says. Wonder how we get where we are. Let's, let's continue on. Yet, therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before. Here again, Paul says at this time, these folks in this uh, the book that Peter wrote, second book, he said, you know these things. 
before, beware lest ye also, being led away by the air of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. Do you know what that tells me? If you throw the Bible down long enough, if you quit going to church long enough, you very well may lose the very truth that you know. You're, you're opening the door for Satan in a mighty way. These people are steadfast. Why does Peter keep preaching to them the same thing over and over and over? Because we have a problem, a problem of forgetting, not remembering. That's one great purpose, if nothing else, to continue to read God's word on a regular basis. We need spiritual food in a mighty way. We don't recognize that. If we was half as good at taking care of our spiritual diet as we are our physical diet, we'd be in great shape. Eating's not a problem, natural food, for any of us to speak of. But spiritual food can be a real problem, the intake of it, having the time for it, making it important in our lives. It goes on and says that, but grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to whom be glory both now and forever. There's a reason to. You know, there's another place over here in Hebrews chapter 5, and it says in, in uh, verse 11, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. These Hebrews here that were being spoken to, and I believe by Paul, they'd become dull of hearing. That, that wasn't interested in hearing the word of God. Matter of fact, after 30 years, likely it's been 30 years down the road since the day of Pentecost, they were dull of hearing. Notice what it says, for when the time ye ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again. Tells me that we can certainly lose what we have if we don't use it, if we don't read it, we don't hear it preached. It, it, it won't stick with us. There's too many things in this world that are coming in to clutter your minds, to take away your attention, to drive you away from the word of God. But our life is but a, va is a vapor that appeareth a little time and vanisheth away. We're here today and we're gone tomorrow. Paul said our light affliction is but for a moment. I know you think your afflictions, and me too, we all think our afflictions are, are terrible. But when they're weighed against the eternal glory that will be revealed in us, they are very light regardless of the circumstances you may see today. It is a light affliction. But he goes on and he says, we're not to look at things that are temporal. He says, the things that are temporal are the things that we see with our eyes. But we look on things that we do not see. Those things are eternal. They're in the heavens, and that's what keeps us going. That's what gives us hope. You know, in the 17th chapter of the book of Acts, the 11th verse, it tells us that those Berean brethren were more noble than those at Thessalonica. Why were they more noble? And they heard the word with all readiness of mind. Have you ever thought about that? What does it mean to have all readiness of mind? These folks went to church and they were a praying people, I believe. They prayed not only for themselves, for whoever was to stand before them. They got prepared. They were ready to hear the gospel preached. I asked, do we get ready? Do we truly pray for the person that's going to speak, whoever that might be? Do we pray for ourselves and for our brothers and sisters that when we come in to the Lord's house out of this world, that the things of this world are gone out of our minds? 
I mean, really they are, just for a little while. They need to be pushed outside these walls and our focus upon the Lord Jesus Christ and upon worshiping His holy and righteous name. These Bereans were all, had all readiness of mind. Makes you wonder how ready you are. Makes me wonder how ready I am when I come to the house of the Lord to truly worship Him. Do I come and I bring all the things of the world, the outside world, into the house of the Lord? I don't believe that's being all readiness of mind. But they went further than that. It said they searched the scriptures daily. Daily, every day, where those things be so. They didn't take someone's preaching to be the absolute truth. I don't have to look in the Bible. That man gave me the truth and I can go on. Help us a lot to confirm what we've heard preached all our life, what we've been taught. Does it add up in the word of God? Whatsoever things were written aforetime, before our time, they were for our learning. That through patience and comfort of the scriptures, we might have hope, the hope that anchors our soul. That word, uh, patience means to endure. We're to endure in the scriptures. We're to endure reading. We're to endure a continuation of hearing the word of God preached. The Bible says we need it. We are a very forgetful people at times, especially if we have long spans of time that we, we don't read the Word of God or that we don't hear the Word of God preach. It's important. Lord knows it's important. We need to know it's important. The Bible tells us it is. I want to go over to the book of Isaiah and look at a situation. You know, the children of Israel, some people don't like the Old Testament. I love it. Not because it's historical, because it's right down where the rubber meets the road in our lives today. This is about God's people, where they traveled, how they traveled, and where they ended up. And what caused them to get from point A to point B. It has more to do with the everyday life. I love grace, and I love the New Testament just as much as I do the Old Testament. But if you want to understand the condition of the Lord's people, and that includes us individually, collectively, in any manner, the Old Testament gives us a, a great amount of teachings concerning that. When you get over to Isaiah chapter 30, this was a time, these were the descendants of those that crossed over into the land of Canaan. We know that those that were 20 in the wilderness, those that were 20 years old and up because of their unbelief and their murmuring, you can go to the book of Numbers and read that, they didn't get to cross over into the promised land. Belly aching, murmuring, never was good enough. They didn't like what God done. They complained that he brought them out in the wilderness for them to die. Nothing else could happen. That's what they're going to do. They go out in the wilderness and die. Those that were 20 and younger are the ones that crossed over. But in Deuteronomy 8, he gave them a great warning. What will happen to a people? What will happen to a church? A nation, an individual who forgets the Lord their God. Friends, in, Deuteronomy, in Isaiah 30, they'd forgotten the Lord their God. You think it can't happen? Subtly and slowly and whittled away at? Listen to what it says here. Which say to the seers, See not, seers like the prophets, to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things, speak unto us smooth things, prophecy deceits. Can you imagine being in a time where you don't want to hear the truth? 
I read an article this week on LouRockwell.com, and it was a man I didn't know, and he was, he was a pastor, but there was a number of reasons he was bringing things to our attention. He said that spiritual fall always precedes the fall of the state. I'm going to read this one, and I found it very interesting, and it's not to condemn anyone, but I think it says a whole lot. It says, pastors covet success. I know we do. They want people sitting in the pews. They do. He goes on, it says, they now know they need people to fill their buildings and fund their programs. They also know that if they preach hard truth too much, they will lose a significant percentage of their congregations and thus lose a sizable percentage of their income. Can you imagine? Can you imagine when Jesus Christ himself went into the temple and overthrew the money changers? You know what they were selling in there? Sacrifices. So much money for a lamb, so much money for a turtle dove, so much, you know, then, then you can go offer it up. What a sacrifice that was, and Jesus wasn't too happy with that. The church is not about money. Never was. Jesus doesn't need your money, never has needed your money. If Jesus is in the congregation, that's all you need. He'll, he'll, he'll sustain us. He'll provide for us. It says, in order to succeed, therefore, they use gimmicks, music, theatrics, entertainment, recreation, and soft preaching to bring in and keep the masses. You know, I'm not, like I said, I'm not here to condemn anybody, but that's true. You know, I, I could name off some, and I'm not going to. You know, that all they want to preach is the health and wealth gospel, I call it. If you follow the Lord, everything's going to be good. But if you read about the disciples and the apostles, it wasn't so good for them, was it? You know, Paul went through things that I don't know any minister that ever went through. For the love of Christ. He said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. It's very, very important. It says, accordingly, many pastors are not shepherds and watchmen. They are motivational speakers, comics, and entertainers. In short, they are people pleasers, not God pleasers. And he wrote here to finish this off at this point, I cannot resist the urge to quote the Apostle Paul. Do I seek to please men? For yet if I please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Now, I'll let you take that for what it's worth, but the truth's important. Paul said, I shun not to declare all the counsel of God. It's important. These people had got to the point that they wanted to hear what they wanted to hear, and they didn't want anything else. Basically, they'd become godless. Verse 11 says, get you out of the way, turn aside out of the path, cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. Reminds me of a sign I saw during the election a couple years ago in California. There's people, millions, thousands of people, I don't know, just, they were just solid. One big sign stood up there and said, get God out of California. That's the only sign it was showing. If you don't think we can get into a godless society, we need to think again. There's a lot of people who have no idea what the Word of God says. And if we don't read it, and we don't continue in it, we'll be among those folks too. Can you defend what you believe? Do we take to heart what God says? He tells us how to conduct ourselves in the church. He tells us how to raise our children. He tells us how to be spiritual fathers and mothers and grandparents. God instructs us in the way of righteousness. You know, he said all scripture is, is given by God. It's divinely inspired. 
It's profitable for doctrine. Doctrine is instruction. You know, a lot of people, when you hear doctrine, they go right straight to salvation. Yeah, there's the doctrines of salvation. But the doctrines of God begin in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, the first word, and the last word in, in Revelation 22. That is the doctrine of God in every area of our life. He didn't just tell us how we're going to get to heaven. He didn't just tell us what Jesus Christ done. He tells us how we ought to live. He gives us the moral law to live by. He instructs us as parents how to raise godly children and continue in his ways. Apparently something happened to these folks. We'll go look at another example. I want to get on it so I, before I have a run out of time. It's so interesting to read in the book of Joshua. Joshua and Caleb were the only two that crossed over into the promised land that were above 20 years old. Did you know that? Only two. The rest of them walked around Mount Sinai for 40 years and died in the wilderness. 11-day journey by foot from Mount Sinai to the promised land because of their unbelief, their murmuring, and their complaining unto God. We get over to uh, Joshua, the last chapter, verse 31, and it says, And Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders that overlived Joshua, and which had known all the works of the Lord that he had done for Israel. They had peace. They were enjoying the blessings of God in the land of Canaan. But, well, when you come to the book of Judges, there's a contrast, and it wasn't that long a time. Matter of fact, it says it was a generation. Now, basically, if you look up the definition of generation, it's roughly 30 years from the time a person's born until he's 30 years old. But even if it's a little longer than that, it, it, it was a short time. You don't think things can go from good to bad in a hurry. We're going to read a little bit here and go through a little bit of this and we're going to close. In Judges chapter 2, we read the same thing, verse 7, and the Lord served <coughs> and the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he had done for Israel. Somebody were teaching their children and bringing them into the presence of the Lord, there's no question. If the children of Israel were faithful to teach those in Joshua's day, then maybe the entire bunch just refused to submit themselves unto to God in the book of Judges. The book of Judges is an interesting book. There is no king. Six times, I believe it is, or might know it's four times in there, it says, and there was no king in Israel, and every man did that that was right in his own eyes. Basically, they had anarchy. I mean, you can imagine how you can have anarchy easily when every man is a law to himself, and that's what they were. Whatever they believed, they said was all right, and nobody needed to question it. We find in the book of Judges, there were 12 judges raised up. And each time they delivered Israel out of the judgment that God had brought on to them. Six times it says, you know, 
and the children of Israel done evil in the sight of the Lord. He had raised up a judge, and two of the most familiar judges that you know of is Gideon and Samson. Samson didn't deliver them, but Gideon did. But after Gideon died, they went back, and Israel done evil again, as it says, in the sight of the Lord. God was their ruler. It wasn't until the book of Samuel and David that there was a king. You know, they rejected God. The only theocracy there ever was was in this time. They rejected God as king and ruler over them. They rejected him. They wanted to be like everybody else. You know, that's been a problem for God's people throughout history. Come out from among them and be ye separate and touch not the unclean thing. But it's so hard to be different. Everybody wants to be like everybody else. Do what everybody else is doing. And God's people ought to be separate. The Bible teaches us how to separate ourselves in life and do that that is pleasing unto Almighty God. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being a hundred and ten years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timothy, in the mount of Ephraim, on the north side of the hills of Gash. And also, all that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord. Amazing how fast things change, isn't it? Do you wonder why they changed? Maybe they were taught in, in, in a perfect way, and they were just refused to submit themselves unto God. I believe it's a lack of teaching. You know, if we didn't train our children in the secular world, uh, there'd rise up a generation that could really be anarchist, rebellious. I mean, we do train them to some degree. Training and education are essential in our lives. But the Bible is even more essential than secular training. It really is. We don't get somewhere just because we've done it all right. God, when we're doing the right thing, God is blessing us. Collectively, individually, families, doing the things that God would ask us to do. Which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done in Israel. We're going to read down to verse 19, and this is going to summarize basically the entire book of Judges, if you want a summary. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. They served idols and false gods. Go to the definition of idol. Idol is anything, including yourself, that you put before the Lord. If we're more important than God, it's an, we're an idol before God. Where is your priorities? Where is your importance? Is it God Almighty? Is it yourself? Is it something out here in the world? We got plenty of idols in the United States of America. We got lots of them. And they forsook the Lord their God, God of their fathers, which brought them up out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods, of the gods of the people that were round about them and bowed themselves into them and provoked the Lord to anger. They followed the little gods whatever they were. He had told them to destroy the enemy when they went over into Canaan, and they'd done a pretty good job, but the work was left to continue when Joshua died. They still had land to recover. God told them, if you don't get rid of all of them, and they didn't do what God said, he said, they're going to corrupt you, they're going to pollute you, you're going to start following after their gods. He warned them, and they'd done just exactly what God warned them of. They didn't learn their lesson. I question where any of God's people have ever learned the lesson like we should have. 
And they forsook the Lord and served Balaam and Ashtaroth. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he delivered them into the hands of the spoilers and spoiled them, and he sold them unto the hands of their enemies round about, so that they could not, no, they could not any longer stand before their enemies. Whithersoever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil. As the Lord had said, and as the Lord had sworn unto them, and they were greatly distressed. You know, the Lord is serious about how we conduct ourselves as a country and as a nation, as a church, as families, as individuals in his presence. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges. Nevertheless. Here's an act of God's mercy. He's been merciful to us time and time again. Which delivered them out of the hand of those that spoiled them. You know, they were delivered into the hand of Midi, the Midianites. And then Gideon was raised up by God, a simple man who was a, from a poor family of Manasseh, who, who just couldn't believe God would use that man. That's the kind of men God uses, not those that are high in apparel and uh, lofty in life. He doesn't use those. He uses simple people, unknown people, people that you wouldn't even imagine. And Gideon did deliver them, but again... They turned back to their ways when Gideon died. And they would not hearken unto their judges, but they went a-whoring after other gods and bowed themselves unto them. They turned quickly out of the way which their fathers walked in, obeying the commandments of the Lord, but they did not so. In other words, they didn't, they didn't walk the way their fathers had walked. We can all question why that was. Maybe their fathers done an outstanding job at every level of Training, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they will not depart from it. That's the words of the Lord. Tells me that they were likely not trained. And when the Lord raised them up judges, then the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. You read that throughout the book of Judges. When that judge was living, they had peace for a while. For it printed the Lord because of the groaning by reason of them that oppressed them and vexed them. And it came to pass when the judge was dead that they returned and corrupted themselves more than their fathers in following other gods to serve them and to bow down unto them. They ceased not from their own doings nor from their own stubborn way. Over and over is God's people in the book of Judges. He'd deliver them. They were under the hand of the Mennonites seven years, and he raised up Gideon, and Gideon delivered them. And they had a good time, a good time of peace, as long as Gideon lived, but when he died, there they went again. You know, this morning I, I questioned, are we, are, are we where we are because we don't place enough importance on training our children in the way of the Lord? It's hard to find time. We have to work so hard now. We're trying to make so much money and do so many things that we lose sight of what's really valuable, I believe. The value system in this country is completely and entirely broke. The Bible tells us that our children are the heritage of the Lord. There's nothing more valuable than your children. And God doesn't say the only way you value your children is to give them everything this world has. Give them the Lord. 
Give them the word of God. Give them something that will last with them all the days of their lives. Nothing that men can take from them. We may lose our silver and our gold. We may lose our belongings. But we'll never lose what we have with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know that? Not because of what we did, but because of what he did. The word of God is extremely valuable. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. How much of it have you learned? How much of it do you continue to learn? How much of it are we passing down to our children and our grandchildren? It makes a difference. It always makes a difference. May God bless us to do that if we're not, to make a greater effort as we go forward in our lives.